Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. Well, we're in our third week here in Romans. We haven't made it out of the first chapter yet. There's just so much great stuff here. And if you're local, if you're not with us in person today, but maybe you're watching or listening online, I just want to invite you to be a part of a small group meeting in conjunction with a series. Each week this group gets together and they go even deeper into the text than what we can do on Sunday. There's always application and takeaways and they're going to challenge you. They're going to grow you and I think it's going to flat out blow your mind. I don't lead it but it's led by one of our group leaders here at Radiant Church and uh, you can be a part of that. Just go to our website at radiantchurchsc.com groups and sign up. Now we began Romans by diving into the first seven verses where Paul has a desire for his readers to know God's story for us. He's calling, uh, he's calling us, he has gifts for us, and then we spent time in the next seven verses reading how proud Paul is of the Romans' faith and how they've made the gospel known to all people in their part of the world. And we spent some time talking about how church is not for us. You know, like we are the church. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist to bring people to Jesus. And now we walk walk right into verses 16 and 17. Two verses, that's it. Uh, But we're going to camp right here today because these two verses are central to Paul's theology. You can make a great case that everything he writes emanates from these two verses right here. And I'm going to tell you right now, for some of you, especially if you have questions, if you're not sure where you might be in your faith yet, these verses will be challenging. And they'll be kind of in your face, but we're going to tackle them and we're going to break them down here today. Romans 1, 16 through 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And this good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, that's not an original statement by Paul. He's quoting Habakkuk 2.4 here, and you're going to see why in a little bit when we get there. Uh, Have you ever considered what you're faithful to? People are faithful to all kinds of things. Their heritage, their ethnicity, music, political narratives, sports teams. I'm a huge Braves fan. I grew up going to the Greenville Braves ball games in the 90s. I watched all those great teams win. My younger brother played in their organization. The Braves just run through my blood, man. Uh, the game is always on. I'm checking the score. I read the articles. I take, I'm taking my oldest son to his first ever Atlanta Braves game this summer. Uh, Braves, as much as you're um, faithful to your Clemson Tigers or Taylor Swift, I'm faithful to the Braves, you know, but it's, it's, it's whatever you're faithful to. Are you faithful to something? So, you know, Paul was calling us to that kind, of, that kind of ethic, that kind of passion and faithfulness in these first two verses here. And when it comes to 
following Jesus, he wants his readers to be faithful to the gospel. Be faithful to what God has offered salvation to everybody on the planet. Be faithful to walk in confidence this gospel has the power to change lives. He wants us to be proud of this offer of salvation, this gospel of Jesus Christ, which is for everybody. And it begs a question you should consider. If no one else followed Jesus in your social circle, would you? Would you faithfully be proud of Jesus? Is your faith really your faith? Not your mom's faith, not your grandpa's faith, not your spouse's faith. Is it your faith? Do you have shameless faith? Let's start to unpack this loaded text a little bit. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. That's the good news about Christ. That's what you see in verse 16. He's not ashamed of a gospel or, or his gospel or their gospel. No, he's not ashamed of the gospel, and he emphasizes it. You know, back in the very first week of this teaching series, we said the gospel is the good news of Christ. It's God's story of salvation with Jesus at the center. But we're the focus. And and we're now part of this story. The center of this good news, it's not in Rome or on Caesar. It's, it's on us. The focus is on us. Paul was pointing to this as the only gospel. There is no plan B. There is no other message of hope. There is no other faith. There is no other spirituality which compares to this because it is the gospel. I know guys who, who like Jesus, they like the Bible, and, and they explain their faith in this manner. They say, I, I can say that Jesus is right for me. It's good for you but I can't say he's right for everybody else. Well, you're not with Paul here. That's the response of somebody who's ashamed of the gospel. What you're really saying is, you know, the gospel's good for you, it's conditional for you, but it's not for, for others. You say, yeah, but what about all those people who've never heard before? That's why we preach the gospel. It's why we live it out in our lives. It's why we send people to do missions work around the world. We need to reach people. We want everyone to hear. Now, I'm going to say something which may not sit well with some of you, but you need to hear it, man. Do not blame God for others not hearing the gospel. You blame yourself. The church, as we said last week, doesn't exist for us. If, if your idea of church is the place where you come, get your needs met, and you're fulfilled, you may not be in the right place because while that can happen, it's not about us. If you come to Radiant to get a spiritual fix, this church is probably not going to be for you in the long run because we are the church and we exist to reach people for Jesus outside of our walls. The gospel is God's plan to bring us into his kingdom and there's only one way to get there that's through Jesus. It's why Paul uses a definite article, the gospel. Many have said that's the problem of Christianity. It's exclusive. It doesn't have an inclusive bent to it at all, but that's not true and we're about to see why. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God at work. How many of you would like to see the power of God at work in your life? Maybe you've prayed a lot for God to move. Maybe you've done some fasts, but you, have you tried looking at the gospel as the answer to prayer for humanity? I know that's not specific to you, right? But, but what if that's the problem? Because I think sometimes we get upset with God because he's not answering our prayers. Not right away, anyway. We're frustrated. We think we're lacking faith. But the power of God was on the cross when Jesus was nailed to it. The power of God was in the tomb 
tomb where the same spirit which rose Christ from the dead now lives in and is at work in your life as a follower of Jesus. The power of God is at work in you when you choose to follow Christ and the Holy Spirit enters your life. Even if you never had another prayer answered this side of heaven, for whatever reason, you still are granted eternal life in God's kingdom, which is greater than absolutely anything we could ever hope to receive on this earth. But with the power of God comes victorious living in Christ. What would it take and what would it feel like to walk in victory? You know, the, the power to break addictions and curses and darkness, that comes from the power of God at work in our lives. It's this transformative power of God at work, which Paul is not ashamed of. It's this eternal power that, that, that saves you, that delivers you from sin and from darkness. Man, church isn't about getting you to obey the rules and traditions. It's not about making sure we behave a certain way and look a certain way and present ourselves a certain way. It's it's not about perfection. You know, you're going to get hurt in church. And I, I hate to say that, but it's going to happen. You know why? Because we're imperfect and we're flawed people. But what church is, is it's the body of Christ full of imperfect and flawed people who've allowed God's power to be at work. It's God's plan A to reach a broken world. So we don't care who you are or how you identify or what your addiction is or what the records show. We want every person to know they're invited to have their lives transformed and upended and just flat out wrecked by Jesus because it's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. Christianity is often marred as exclusive, but I disagree with that because Christianity openly invites everyone, the whole of humanity, to experience the power of God at work. And all it takes for you is to accept God's invitation. But that invitation for salvation is only experienced if you believe. You can read it, you can study it, you can know it by heart and not be changed by it because it isn't a transformation of the mind, it's a transformation of the heart. So really, Christianity is the only faith which is exclusively inclusive and invites everyone to believe and surrender to Christ who's taking care of salvation for you. Every other faith relies on you working or following codes or traditions or rituals which must be done perfectly, but the righteous don't live by rules, they live by faith. Now, it's, it's inclusive in that the gospel invites everyone to believe, but if you want to you know, point to it being inclusive, I, I'll, I'll give you this, if you want to point to being exclusive. It is exclusive in the sense that it does require you to believe. Will everyone believe and, and be saved? No. Does it mean we stop reaching people then? No. Like last week, we walked through the distinction Paul makes between the Romans and the barbarians. He's playing a little more of the Gentile readers, you know. This week, he plays more of the Jewish readers, stating the gospel was first for them, then the Gentiles. And I'm not going to dive too much into this today. But Jesus' mission was to bring the good news to the people of Israel first. God had entrusted his law with the Jewish people in the Old Testament. They were to be a light to the Gentiles and how they lived for the Lord. And they did not live up to this expectation, by the way. But in Matthew 15, you have this scene right here. A Gentile woman asks Jesus to heal her daughter from a demonic spirit. And Jesus says, I've come to the lost in Israel first. He does end up healing her daughter, though. But when he's ascending to heaven, you know what he says? After the resurrection, Luke 24, 47, he says this. 
it was also written that this message, the gospel, would be proclaimed in the authority of his, meaning Jesus' name, to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. See, salvation was first offered to Israel, and now it's extended to any and all who believe. Paul was not ashamed of the power of the gospel because it, it, it's God at work saving those who believe. And, he, and it tells us how God makes us right or makes us righteous, if you prefer that term, with himself. The goodness of God, the holiness of God, it's best expressed in another one of Paul's famous phrases that we're going to see a little later when we get to chapter 5. Romans 5 eight says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, I don't want to jump the gun in Romans 5, but oh my goodness, when we get there, it's going to blow your mind. Like you might have to wait until next year for us to kind of get there, uh, but Romans 5 has got a lot of really good stuff in it. Listen, God doesn't expect you to get your act together first and then make you right with Him. He's already taken care of that because of the work of Christ on the cross. When you're living right for the Lord, when you're made right with God, it's called righteousness, and it's rooted in the goodness of God. How can we see this goodness from God at work in our lives? Well, you remember that God sent Jesus to die for you, to make you right with Him before you have the chance to even say yes. While you were still in sin, when you didn't know God, when God wasn't even a thought, when you haven't even considered your place in God's plan of salvation, God cared for you, and He sent Jesus. Now, we'll say God sending Christ is a great display of His love, but if you really want to think about this for a moment, God loves humanity so much that when man sins, he put into motion his plan of salvation to offer a pathway out. That's, that's redemption. And when the angels sin, and Scripture tells us in Revelation there was about a third of the angels who joined the rebellion that Satan led, God did nothing. Like, he's not redeeming fallen angels. There's no plan to bring them back. They made their choice, and they're out. But God loves you so much, he offered a way back from sin and from darkness for you. And what makes it even more amazing is you don't have to make this happen yourself. Every other spiritual pathway out there has you working to get to heaven, right? To get to enlightenment, to find that place of peace. But God, man, God did it for you. He knew he would never level up. He, he, he knew we could never match his goodness. And so he made the decision to make us right with himself, man, to make us righteous all on his own. And all we have to do is accept his offer of salvation. Now let's start, let's start wrapping this thing up, okay? I could just go all day. This is good stuff. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God at work, saving all who believe, making us right with God. How does it happen? He spells it out in verse 17. It starts, when we live by faith. Now, what does it mean to say that God's righteousness makes us right from start to finish? By faith. Like the Greek language Paul's writing in actually says from faith for faith, which sounds a little confusing, I'm sure. But it starts with receiving the gospel by faith. If you don't receive this good news by faith, if you don't believe and trust, you're going nowhere. I mean, that's step number one. Some of you struggle with this. You say things like, yeah, but, but you don't know what I've done or what I've seen or what my struggles are. Like, I don't even know if I believe all of this correctly. You know, it's just hard to believe that God is that good, that He could forgive you. But I'm going to tell you this, 
we all have our struggles. None of us believe fully. None of us believe correctly, you know, without flaw. And we won't until we get to, you know, heaven in God's kingdom. Like, I've got all kinds of questions that I cannot get answers to this side of heaven, man. Right? I mean, like, hello, Jonah, is it the whale or the fish? <laughs> like, whatever. Like, there's a lot of questions. We aren't made right with God by logic. Logical reasoning was everything in the Greco-Roman world. You can't reason your way into God here. You, you receive it by faith. After he's resurrected, you know what Jesus did? He appeared to his disciples and he says in John 20, Blessed are those who believe and haven't seen me yet. Now he's talking about us right here. Hebrews 11 lists all kinds of people who had great faith. Like Moses, he leads Israel out of Egypt. Elijah calls down fire from heaven when nobody believed. Noah builds this huge boat when it's never rained. Like, hey Noah, what you doing? I'm building the boat. A boat? What's a boat? I don't know, guess this is it. Well, why? It's gonna rain. It's gonna rain a lot. Rain a lot. What's that? I don't know, but I gotta be ready. Okay, yeah, 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 I got it. But, but why are you doing this? Because God told me to. Faith. I think the best illustration of living by faith is found with Peter. When he spots Jesus out on the lake, he gets, he gets out of the boat. That's the life of a Christ follower. You get out of the boat. You step out in faith. And he walks towards Jesus. A life lived for Christ is a life lived for faith. And you won't have all the answers. And you won't be able to explain how it all works in perfect detail and logical times not make sense in this life of Christ. And that's okay because you're living by faith. So what do the righteous live by? Is it, is it laws? Is it obedience? You know, is it, is it rules? Is it tradition? Is it, is it a code of ethics? Is it morals? No, the righteous, as Paul pulls a quote from Habakkuk 2.4, live by faith. Now, why does Paul quote from Habakkuk? Because Habakkuk was living in a time where immorality and evil were just as rampant in Judah as, as it really is today. Up was down and down was up. And, and, and God told Habakkuk he would use the Babylonians to humble Judah. And this little Old Testament book, man, it's just such a great insight look between a conversation that a prophet has with God. He doesn't understand what God's doing. You know, he doesn't understand like, like why God's doing it. But in the end, Habakkuk says, God, I trust you. I trust you. And that's why he says the righteous live by faith. And that's why Paul pulls that quote and places it right here at the end of the two verses, which are most central to all of Paul's really theology right here. Now, now here's how we wrap this up today. Paul isn't ashamed of the power of God. It's the righteous who live by faith. Now, where does that leave us? Well, it should leave us embracing this belief. We are not ashamed, right? We're not ashamed of this faith. Our culture today is screaming for tolerance, for getting in line to one drumbeat, you know, that has all humanity marching in one direction, except it's the wrong direction. And where does that lead us right now? Well, it leads us to a place where we, our society will fall for everything and anything, and, and we are. We're told to make our faith private, make it personal. We used to say things like, hey, we don't talk religion and politics. Remember that? But now it's just religion. And, and now it's faith. And really specifically, if we're honest about it, it's not even Christianity. It's Jesus. See, a large and growing number of people who identify as Christians are embracing sin and darkness and the road that we're all told to kind of march on. And that's okay as long as you don't bring Jesus into it. But Jesus, according to our culture, is really the problem. And Paul says... I'm not ashamed of that. 
So yeah, but pastor, Paul lived in a different world. He had no family, no kids. He can make that bold claim and stand by it. Well, I think you'll see as we move further into Romans that Paul did not live in a world and a culture that was very much different from the one that we're in today. But you're wrong about Paul making a bold claim with nothing to lose. You, you, you don't think his family disowned him? Like, you don't think he, he, all that he worked hard for, he was a rising powerful star in Judaism, you know? It was nothing for him just to sacrifice and put it to the side? Like, he faced imprisonment. He faced death. If his letters got into the wrong government officials' hands, he, he, he would have been in, in trouble, right? And yet he kept writing them. He kept planting churches. He kept winning folks for Christ because he was not ashamed of the gospel. He would not understand what we're doing today. And I, and I wish I could tell you that I've been like Paul, but, but I haven't. I can point to times in my life, man, where I didn't say anything, I didn't do anything. I was silent because I didn't want to offend somebody, right? Like we don't want to do that in our culture. And trust me, this is a, a first world problem. It's one that's being eroded right here in the West. But Paul would not get this. He, he never stayed silent. He spoke up. He reached out. He wasn't obnoxious about it. He was persuasive. And he knew how to communicate effectively. He just wasn't ashamed of his faith. And I think as we move forward into the future, one of the greatest threats the impact will have on God's kingdom is being quiet. We need to live our faith out so consistently that we share it with everyone we meet. And if we do that, man, we'll make an impact. And if necessary, as the famous quote kind of goes, we might use words, right? Think about it like this. Uh, if you were a chemist, you know, you got a sweet lab at Clemson, got grant money, the whole works. And you found not just a cure, but you found like the cure for cancer. There's numerous types of cancer out there, okay? Can you imagine preserving that cure in a shelf in your lab? You know, like just in case somebody in the family gets it or, or in case you needed it yourself or, or just with the attitude that says, man, I can't believe I have this. I can't believe this is all mine, you know? And you just couldn't afford to lose it. So you kept it on a shelf. Or worse, you kept it there because you discovered it after other scientists and researchers had given their whole lives to working for this cure, and you found it in such a short time frame, you just didn't want to offend them. And maybe you hide it because you don't want to make anybody upset. Maybe it's because you don't want the notoriety or the attention. You don't want to go public, you don't want to be on social media, that kind of thing, you know. But it's the cure. It cures every single type of cancer. Could you just shelve it like that? Like, wouldn't that be almost criminal? And yet Paul says, we've got this cure needed for eternal life. But so many of you, man, you've shelved it. You put it away. You don't want to risk losing your job. And that, that's a real thing today, and I get that. You don't want to be the lightning rod for all the attention. But did God place these people in your life by accident? Or did he have them in your life so you could reach them? So you could introduce them to the one who can save them? heal them, and make them whole again. I know it's easy for me to say this kind of stuff to you, or at least that's the thought, but it's not actually true. It's actually harder to live your faith out on the ball field or in Starbucks or with the neighbor you see every day. Like, I'm not superhuman. I'm making lifestyle adjustments just like you guys. But here's where being a follower of Jesus is so advantageous. You have the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit emboldens you and empowers you and encourages you. Jesus says it's the Spirit who gives you what to say when you need to say it. And 3,000 people are added to the church because of the bold preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost. He wasn't a bold preacher before the Holy Spirit. My encouragement to you today, don't let this message just sink in and challenge you intellectually. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to live it with every person you come in contact with. Don't give lip service to your faith. Embrace it and live it. I, Paul says, am not ashamed. Can you say the same today? I want to pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. Lord, I pray that if they're struggling with sharing their faith, uh, maybe they have like some legit reasons. I don't want to lose my job. I'm not sure what will happen in this relationship. And, and, and I get all that. But Lord, we have the cure. Uh, the, the, there are people who are lost, and if things don't change, they'll go into eternity without you. We cannot afford to not share the gospel of Christ. Help us to live out our faith so effectively and consistently that people notice a difference just in how we live. Lord, for the opportunities that come our way to seize uh, and share our faith, Lord, help us to, to take advantage of them. Uh, may we not worry about what we're going to say and how we'll say it. May the Holy Spirit empower us and embolden us and give us the words to say. But Lord, help us to walk in the footsteps of Paul, who is not ashamed of the power of gospel because it has the power to change and transform and save hearts and lives. May we have that kind of shameless faith that Paul had today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.